Love came down as we look at 1 Corinthians 13. I, I read the Christmas version that sometimes is maybe often too often true for us. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twi- twinkling lights, shining balls, but do not have love, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not have love, I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give to charity, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels, crocheted snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties, and sing in the choir's cantata, at another church, but do not focus on Christ. I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind, though it may be tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linen. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Toys will break, pearl necklaces will be lost, golf clubs will rust, but the giving of the gift of love will endure. As we look at 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter where Paul describes what agape love is. He's writing to the church in Corinth, a church that is dealing with some confusion, a church that's reverting back to some of their old ways that they knew before coming to Christ. Corinth is a metropolitan city. It is a wealthy city but it is an extremely sinful city. Slavery uh, is abundant. It is believed that there were two slaves for every free man. Uh, Prostitution was probably more than any other city in the first century. There were literally temple prostitutes uh, to the goddess Aphrodite, who was the principal goddess of Corinth. And Paul has started a church in the middle of this community. And they find themselves acting a lot like uh, this little story that I've heard before of this girl who had broken off her engagement uh, with her her fiance six months before. But something motivates her to move and to send him a letter. And she writes to him, she said, Dear Tommy, I want you to know that I'm so, so sorry for breaking off our engagement six months ago. I now know that I love you more than anything. You are the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? I will do anything. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I will never be able to say it enough. Signed, Debbie. And then P.S. she put. And Congratulations on winning the state lottery. (laughs) In Corinth, they had a different understanding. The average person, the average Greek, the average Roman, 
Matter of fact, in Greek mythology and Roman mythology, as we talked about before, uh, they had goddesses that represented what they believed was love. One was Eros. The Romans called him Cupid, which would shoot an arrow into your heart and would put you into a spell to where you couldn't think of anything else, that you physically, you would have this primal impulse, this arousal, this sexual uh, attraction. And they believed that to be love. And so does our first century, as well as our 21st century today. Ludus, who was the god of infatuation, of flirtation, mania of obsession, and philosophy of self-love. This is how most people in the first century and most people today in North America understand love. But scripture teaches us about two other types of love. One being a philia love, or sometimes you hear it depending on the tense phileo love, which is loyalty, which is friendship, uh, which is a bonding of brothers and sisters. But the Bible talks the most about agape. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we see agape love described to us. And Paul is sharing this to a church who's been struggling with those who have had gifts, whether they be spiritual gifts or talents or power or wealth, and whom have not been loving, but yet were remarkably gifted. And he tells them, if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, you're like those clanging cymbals and that noisy gong that you would hear the pagans hit those gongs to try to awaken their gods. That irritating sound, that's what you are and that's what you sound like without love. And if you're able to communicate and speak and to know all Bible knowledge and mysteries, and as you share, if you don't have a spirit of agape love, it is nothing. And if you give everything you have away and you give your body to be burned, but have not agape, you have gained nothing in the economy of God. For agape is patient and kind and does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. These are all characteristics that have been demonstrated in the Corinthian church. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. And then we get to our, our two verses today. There are only two verses. This is gonna be a shorter message, so you can listen the whole time, okay? Uh, <laughs> verse six and seven. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. And you might look at that and go, well, yeah, that makes sense, of course. You don't rejoice in wrongdoing. What is he talking about here? Matter of fact, he uh, uses the word uh, adikia, which is the Greek word for evil, for wrong, for injustice. It was another one of the Greek gods, uh, the goddess of evil, the goddess of wrongdoing, of injustice, of darkness, you might say, that some would find themselves in worship of. Some would feel, some would want. And you go, boy, those primitive first century people, what were they thinking? Well, we're not really that much different. Sometimes we find ourselves rejoicing and wrongdoing in two different ways. 
Has there ever been someone who hurt your feelings? Someone who made you feel small or insignificant? Someone that you just thought their ego was too big? Maybe someone who had more than you and all of a sudden uh, they made a mistake. All of a sudden they did something that caused them to lose their status, lose their wealth, lose their power, lose their reputation. And you thought to yourself, yeah, they deserve it. I'm kind of glad that happened to them. That would be the same spirit Paul is talking about. Um, this past week, it was sent to me an Instagram post through Cosmopolitan Magazine which has over 50 million subscribers and calls themselves the leading influential voice for young women today. And it promotes and lays out the steps of how to have a satanic ceremony of abortion. A satanic abortion ceremony. And it gives all the steps that you can walk through, what to say, what to do, and to have a moment of worship to the creator of destruction, as we would call it, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth, what is honest, what is good, what is right, what is true. That word means to be faithful. We rejoice in faithfulness, in long-suffering in steadfast truth. Love bears all things. Uh, the Greek word here, uh, stego, uh, means roof. It's the picture of protection. It's the picture of covering, bearing all things, believes all things. Uh, Pistuo. It's the same word that we see in John 3.16 uh, when we are commanded and, uh, and Jesus leads us and teaches us to believe, to pistuo, to have faith. He says, love protects, bears all things. Agape believes. It has faith in and it has hope. Confident expectation. Expectation, el piso, expectation, the positive, hopeful expectation, and it perseveres. Hupameno, it endures, it continues, it does not quit. So as we talk about that for just a moment, let's kind of break that down. When we see protect, when we see to bear, agape, what's an example of that? Well, um, when I was teaching school, right after I graduated from college, I was coaching and teaching at a public high school. And I had a lot of paperwork I had to fill out. I was a first-year teacher, and we had a big game that week, and there were some reports I was supposed to turn in. And so I hurriedly just wrote a bunch of stuff down and turned it in. I don't know if I was thinking that they wouldn't really read it. I don't know what my problem was. And um, I turned it in, didn't think about it. Next thing I know, the next day, my supervisor wants to talk to me. He said, did, do you feel like you did your best job? Do you feel like you accurately turned all this uh, work in? Do you think you uh, had the detail that was necessary? Did you answer all the questions? 
And I go, well, I know. You know, I was kind of him hawing around. He said, you know, I think we need to go to the principal. And, I, and, and I, you know, I thought the irony of it, I'm a school teacher and I'm going to see the principal. And um, so he walks me over to the principal's office and I'm sitting down in that desk that I remember sitting in in high school. Matter of fact, not that exactly, but nevertheless, here I am. And the principal looks over my reports and he said, um, he goes, Ron, did you not have time to get through with all this? I said, uh, no, sir, I didn't, I didn't do my, he said, did you do your best on this? I said, no, sir, I probably could have done better. He goes, you could have, but he said, you know what? I'm gonna take responsibility today. I'm gonna take responsibility. I'm gonna take the hit for you. And so well, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Um, I'm gonna ask you to get this all finished before you go home today. And, um, and it's gonna be as if it was right. So I'm not reporting this. I'm not gonna give you, I'm not gonna write you up and put this in your file. I'm gonna take the hit on this one. And I'll never forget that. I, I respected him so much. His name was Bobby Kraft. I still think Mr. Uh, Mr. Kraft, even though he's passed away, because he protected, he took the hit for me. And that's exactly what agape love does. It believes it's value-centered, not emotional-centered. What do I mean by that? It's the values, it's the character of who you are. It's what you believe in, not what you feel. That's what Christ has done for us. Christ has believed in us. He demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us, he bestowed, he placed faith in us and drew us to him. And it's not emotion based, it's value, it's principle based. And hope, that confident expectation. Now let's take a moment and talk about that because sometimes that's confusing. What's the difference between faith and hope? Well, faith, when we have faith, it's about the promise of God, it's about what we are in now. For example, once we have trusted Christ as Savior, once we've transferred our trust uh, to what Christ has done for us through the death, burial, and resurrection, we are forgiven of the penalty of sin. In other words, the penalty of sin has been removed from us. We no longer are under that penalty. Christ has absorbed that for us. And so now that's called justification. We are justified before God. We don't have to hope that he does that. We don't have to wonder if he'll do that. That's done. We have faith that that is done. We also have faith that God is working in and through us through the power of the Holy Spirit to save us, so to speak, from the power of sin. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle. It doesn't mean that hard things don't happen. But we know that Christ is working in and through it, that he is sanctifying us. He is purifying us. He is growing us in the process. And last is glorification, which means God will save us from the presence of sin. And we can put our faith and hope knowing that those facts are true. It's done. We don't have to wonder or ever guess or ever doubt. But hope, confident expectation in the promises and in the future that God has for us. It's like, I know Jesus is coming one day. I know that for a fact, but I hope that he comes soon. But he may not come tomorrow. He may not come next year. He may not come in a hundred years. But I have hope that he will come soon. Let me, let me break it down a little further. Okay, so I've got a, 
uh, a college son. His name is Brock. And I have faith that he's my son. I was there the day that he was born. I remember it. And uh, they had to take him out pretty quickly. And so I guess there's the possibility they could have changed babies. They all look alike at that point. Um, But I believe I was there. I saw him. I have the paper. I I have no doubt that he's my son. There's nothing you could ever say or do that would make me doubt that he's my son. But he's off at college right now. And I hope that he comes home for Christmas. I have expectation. He said things that make me believe that, make me think that. But you know, it is possible he could say, hey dad, you know what? Got this great opportunity for this mission trip and I'm going to Canada uh, for Christmas. He could call and say, dad, I know I haven't told you this, but I met this girl, she's wonderful. And she wants me to come home with her for Christmas and meet her parents. And I just really feel led to go. So that's where I'm going. Now, I would probably say, have you talked to your mother about this? But nevertheless, <laughs> I am hoping that he comes home. And I have good reason to believe. I confidently expect. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's no possibility that it could happen. But I put my confident expectation. I have good reason to believe. That's what agape love is. And it perseveres. It doesn't stop. It doesn't quit. When things get hard, you continue to love just as God has continued to love us. Now, I have a mug here and it's called Mugs on Mission. And matter of fact, the little girl who gave it to me was here just this last service. And uh, the story on this mug is this. There was, uh, there was this family, the Harrington family, who started the adoption process about 15 years ago. And the husband, Chris, uh, spoke Spanish. He was multicultural. And so they wanted to adopt a child uh, from a Latin American country. So they began that process. They were working through an adoption agency. And they spent a lot of money, a lot of times, and multiple times they thought that they had a child, but it would fall through every time, and it just never worked out. Then after six and a half years, they decided we're broken. We're broken spiritually, we're broken emotionally, we're financially broke. We don't have anything left. We couldn't adopt a child even if we wanted to. So they called the adoption agency and they said, um, here's our situation. We no longer are able to adopt, so take our name off the list. The adoption agency said, um, well, you know what? Would you just pray about it over the weekend? It was on a Friday morning. And on Monday, uh, <clears throat> we'll call you. And if you want to just tell us, no, we won't bother you again. So they said, okay, we'll pray. Well, over the weekend, before Monday came, the adoption agency called and said, look, we found a child. and It's not meeting your criteria. <clears throat> They're not from a Spanish-speaking country. Uh, matter of fact, from Hungary. And it's a, it's a difficult situation, but we want to encourage you uh, to consider it. So they said, would you consider it? And they said, well, let us pray about it. So they prayed and they said, look, we don't have any money. Um, our hearts are broken. We don't really want to go through this again. They said, look, this child is ready to go. Uh, she's in hungry and she's available. And um, so it's up to you and we'll try to work with you. So they began to say, all right, Lord, if you want to do this, can you... And you provide for us because we don't have anything. And there was, a, there was a grant that they'd applied for three years before that they had never heard back from 
uh, that wrote them and said, hey, our, if you're in still need, we have this amount, which was about half the amount. And then as they continued that process over the next six weeks, uh, another grant came. And the day before they were to leave, when they still didn't have the money, a third one came, when they had received nothing up to that point. They got to Hungary and they met Gia. Gia was seven years old. She didn't speak any English and she had always been in the foster care system. And they said, Gia, spend some time with her these next few weeks, make sure, and then if you're, you're ready, you can do the adoption. So sure enough, after those few weeks, they came. They said, we, we, we want to. They couldn't communicate verbally, uh, but they simply learned to communicate uh, by hand motions and just drawing and things of that nature. And uh, matter of fact, here's a picture of them uh, when, on the first week that they met. And that's Gia in the background. But the story, story doesn't stop there. Gia comes and Gia had never heard about God. She'd never heard about Christ. Uh, she'd never been exposed in any way. So she came and it took years for her to learn the language. And then as they would pray with her and begin to share with her, uh, last year she fully committed her life to Christ and she was baptized. And there's a picture of Gia there. I want to read to you, Gia gave me this mug, and let me read to you what she said. She said, my name is Gia. I was born in Hungary, and I didn't even know that God existed or that he loved me until I was adopted at seven years old and brought halfway around the world. I want to share God and his word with people all over the world who are like me, who don't know him and don't even know he exists. And so please join me in a mission of sending 100 Bibles to people in persecuted countries and countries where Bibles are not readily available for them. And so as you buy this, it helps me. Every penny that you give will go to buying Bibles. She goes, my goal is to, to send 100 Bibles. And so far, she's done 31 Bibles. She said, join me as I seek to change the world. It's a beautiful story of agape love. How God demonstrated agape love. How the Harrington family demonstrated agape love. And now how Gia is demonstrating agape love for people she doesn't know. For girls and boys who are just like her. I want us to take a moment this season, this sermon... And there are two words that, these are Ron's words, but as I've studied agape that I keep coming back to, one is agape love is eternal. It never ends. But secondly, agape love prays. Agape love prays. It's not about what we feel. It's about what we know to be true. It's what we believe about God and it's what his Holy Spirit does is it burdens and it leads us to pray for others. So I want us to have a time where we pray. And so for just a moment, if you would enter into a spirit of prayer and if there's someone in your life that's far from Christ, someone who doesn't know Christ, whether that be a neighbor or a friend, whether that be someone who's a classmate Maybe that be a coworker, whoever that might be, a relative. Ask God to give you a burden right now, and I want to invite you to pray for them.
not necessarily because you have all these warm feelings about them, but because of what Christ has done for you and that you are choosing to agape, to pray for them in the love of Christ, that they might know the hope of the gospel. Would you take a moment to pray? Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ. You've never transferred your trust and your faith, fully committing your life to Christ. I want to invite you to do that today. Don't miss the agape love of God as he draws you today. As you're praying for others, I want to invite you to ask God to give you the love and the hope and the strength to share the hope that's within you by inviting them or sharing the hope of God's truth with them. Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters, our friends, our neighbors to you. Lord, for those who have loved ones that are far away, for those, Lord, who have been burdened for someone within their family or someone within their sphere of influence, for those, Lord, whom you've put on their heart even today, God, I ask that your spirit would draw them. For those in this room who need to know you or are online, I pray, God, that you would lead them to know today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive the agape love of God. Lord, we thank you for your great grace, and we thank you in advance for what you are working to accomplish. In the name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. And if you're visiting with us, there's a card directly in front of you. If you don't mind pulling that out and looking at that. If you're a member or a visitor and God is speaking to you, if you have a prayer request, you have a question, you would say, I'm ready to follow Christ. I'm ready to be baptized. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to serve. Whatever God is leading you to do, I want to encourage you to take that agape step today. Online, if you're here with us today, then we thank you and we welcome you. And there, there's a minister online that would love to pray with you or answer any questions. If you want to give, you can go to rpc.fm slash bulletin. You can give. Uh, and here, you can give in the back uh, if you would like to as well as you walk out. But as God leads you, we want to invite you to respond this morning.